Could Luis and Helicuna fill the void left by Ryan Mauricio this season? I'll break it all down on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I'll be talking about the loss of Ronnie Mauricio and how Luis and Helicuna could fill that void this season. In the first segment, I'll talk about what a devastating loss it is that Mauricio will not be healthy this year. In the second segment, I'll go over where uh, Acuna is at in his development, what he has to do to be a successful big leaguer. Then in the final segment, I will answer that question. Can Acuna fill some of Mauricio's role from the Mets this season? Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers who join today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. This was supposed to be a huge year for Ronnie Mauricio. He got his first cup of coffee in the big leagues last year. We all enjoy watching him play in September. 26 games, hit 248, 296 on base, 347. Slug had two home runs, four doubles, nine RBIs. Not the best numbers. His OPS was sub 650 at 643. His way to runs created plus was 80, so 20% less than your league average hitter. And yet it felt like he was the second best rookie on the Mets outside of Francisco Alvarez because Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos got larger sample sizes, and they struggled. Whereas Ronnie Mauricio came up, and he just grabbed your attention. He, he captured your imagination by you know hitting home runs, the two that he did, that were moonshots, by stealing all seven bases that he attempted to swipe, by making some strong plays in the field. He just has star power. He has this aura about him. You know, I've talked about this on the show in the past, but it was, I believe, the... Was it 2022? I think it was 2022. Um, I went and I took a trip to each of uh, the Mets minor league affiliates. And when I was in Binghamton, I got the chance to see um, Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, and Francisco Alvarez all playing on that team. And of those players, I went into that trip the most down on Mauricio because I had seen his numbers throughout his minor league career. When I watched them in person, Mauricio was the one that jumped out the most. Now. He had a home run and a double in that game. He hit the ball in the air like every single time. He made some great plays in the field. But just his presence is felt when you see him in person. He's such a big dude. He's such a great athlete. He's he's a guy that I think is going to get a lot of grace from Mets fans because of how he just looks out there. But he's got to play. and He's got to play well. And this was his chance to get that run that he needs. If you look at his his minor league career, he has really been developed at each stage. What I mean by that is he's gotten lengthy stays. They have let him play full seasons at a lot of these stops. He's played 100-plus games 
at every level in the minor leagues, low A, high A, double A, triple A, 100 plus games at each stop. Last year in triple A, he hit 292, 346 on base, 506 slug. It was by far the best season of his career, coming off a great run in the Winter League last offseason. His OPS was 850. That was the only time his OPS has ever been over 800 in that large of a sample size in, in his minor league career. He had 23 home runs, 24 stolen bases, 71 runs batted in. Now, with all that said, his weighted runs created plus was 108. Now, WRC plus is a league-adjusted stat, and that league in, in, where they play in Syracuse is really hitter-friendly. Balls just fly. So a, a league-adjusted hitting stat is not a, a great measurement for what his value was. But still, compared to that league, he was only slightly above league average. But still, I think that the thing that always held me down on Mauricio is the fact that he just doesn't get on base enough, or didn't at least until last year. His on-base percentage has held around 290 to 300 throughout his career. That's why his offensive value hasn't always been there. His WRC plus of 108 last year was the best mark he has ever had. He's really most of the time actually hovered below 100, been a below average hitter, which is why I was down on him as a prospect. But again, from what we saw in AAA, from the flashes we saw, even though the collective numbers weren't great in the big leagues, he's a guy that you want to see play. Again, 100 games at each stop, you wanted him to get 100 games in the big leagues this year. And it's devastating for the Mets that they aren't going to get to see that. Just for his development alone. Now, there's also the fact that he is a player that could have really helped answer a lot of questions for this team. I counted it out. You know, I, I think Mauricio and Mauricio with McNeil as an extension of him as far as you know positional flexibility, having Mauricio could have provided insurance at six positions. Second base for when you'd have to move McNeil to the outfield, which then covers the three outfield spots. And there's four positions right there. Third base from Brett Beatty. So six spots. Oh, and shortstop. I was like, like, wait, that's five. Shortstop if Lindor got hurt. Now without him, Joey Wendell is the answer at all those places, and that's just not great. You know, I think this year would have been amazing to see if Ronnie Mauricio was the starting second baseman for the Mets long-term, the starting third baseman, or if he was just a super toolsy, super utility guy that could play all over. I honestly believe that his long-term role in the big leagues might be the 10th starter, so to speak, kind of like a six man in the NBA where he might not start on opening day, but by season's end, he's going to get 120 starts and play in a bunch of different spots. I think that might be his long-term position, but this was a chance to, you know, rise above that and maybe grab a starting spot at third base potentially. And now that can't happen. So the question is, can Luis and Helicuna serve a similar function on this roster at some point? He's not going to start the year in the big leagues. But can he be insurance at multiple positions? I want to break down well, what he could bring to the table just as far as where he's at in his development. So we'll do that in the next segment. Then we'll close you know, looking at what his role could be in 2024. Before we get to any of that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday – it's all about scoring the best seat on the couch, eating your favorite appetizers, those great you know, football snacks, and placing some super bets. 
whether you like to bet on you know the Gatorade and, and the jug that's going to get dumped on the winning coach, the length of the national anthem, the coin toss, all these crazy props, or you're just interested in betting on who's going to score the first touchdown, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two Ws, three Ws. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers who join today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Before we dive into what Luis and Helicuna's role could be on this Mets team, I want to talk about where he's at in his development. So when the Mets make the trade last year at the deadline, sending Max Scherzer and a boatload of cash to the Texas Rangers for Luis and Helicuna, he was on a tear in double A. He was hitting 315, getting on base at a 377 clip, slugging at a 453 clip. He had 25 doubles, two triples, seven home runs. That's 34 extra base hits in 84 games, and he had stolen 42 bases on 47 attempts. Goes to Binghamton, the numbers dropped off. He hit 243, 317 on base, 304 slug, only two home runs, and only three doubles, uh, and he stole 15 bases on 20 attempts. His weighted runs created plus was 121 in double A with the Rangers, and then it was 76 with the Mets. So that's a, a drastic drop off. But Here's why I'm not too concerned about that drop-off in production. For one, he was traded. He changed organizations. That, that's a, a big thing that a young player has to you know, deal with when it comes to a massive adjustment. Also, his walk rate and his strikeout rate were identical, basically. About 9% at each stop when it came to the walk rate, about 18% on the strikeout rate. If his strikeout rate skyrocketed and he was striking out 25% of the time or 30% of the time, I would have been more concerned. He was still putting bat on ball. He was still taking his walks. Now with Acuna, the big thing for him is going to be, can he hit for a high enough average and can he keep his walks up? Will he tap into 15 home run power someday? Sure, you hope so. Maybe you can dream on a little bit more if everything breaks right, but he doesn't need to be a power guy. That's not his game. For Acuna, it is speed and defense. He's not his brother, okay? This is a different mold of a player, but let's just look at what he has to do. So throughout his minor league career, he's kept his walk rate around 10%. He's got to do that because what that's going to do is going to basically add 70 points to his on-base percentage, you know, juxtaposed to his average. So if he hits 270 and he walks at a 10% clip, he should be looking more at a 350 on-base percentage. And to try to explain that to you a little bit better, let's just say in 20 plate appearances, Luis and Helicuna gets five hits but doesn't walk at all. Well, his on-base percentage would be 250. He's getting on base 25% of the time, one out of every four plate appearances. Now, let's say he walks twice in those 20 plate appearances. All of a sudden, his on-base percentage jumps to 350. Now, if you take a 350 on-base percentage for a guy like Acuna, and you extrapolate that over 500 plate appearances, all of a sudden, he is getting on base 175 times in those 500 plate appearances. That is a lot of opportunities to steal a base. 
Now, of course, some of those chances he'll hit a home run, so he won't need to steal a base or he'll hit a double or a triple. Or the situation won't call for a stolen base attempt. He's got to pick his spots, of course, as well. But if he's getting on base over 150 times in a season, there's a good chance that this guy can steal upwards of 50, 60 bags. He has lightning quick speed. He's a good base stealer. And that's where he's going to provide his offensive value. If he's getting on base at a good clip, he can be higher up in the lineup and really produce runs for you. You look at how walk rate has translated to on-base percentage in his minor league career. In 2021, he walked at a 10.4% clip. That was in 111 games um, and 473 plate appearances. He hit 266, got on base at a 345 clip. So there was an 81 point difference between batting average and on base percentage by walking about 10% of the time. 2022, 54 games in high A, walks 14.2% of the time. This was his best stop in his minor league career up to this point. He hit 317. His on base percentage was 417. So a 100 point difference by having that walk rate at 14%. I don't expect that to be there in the big leagues. You go to 27 games played at double A in 2022. He struggled offensively. He hit 224, but he walked at a 10.1% clip. So he got on base at a 302% clip. 30% of the time he's on base. That allows him to still steal bases. It was a 78-point difference between batting average and OBP. Last year, two stops, right? With the Rangers, 315 average, 377 on base. There was a 62-point difference when it came to his batting average on base percentage. He walked at you know a nine percent clip in change. He was nine point two, but the Mets it was nine when it came to his walk rate. He had two forty three, got on base at a three seventeen clip, seventy four point difference. So again, he needs to keep that walk rate where it is because that's going to really give him that jump in OBP that he needs. And then he needs to hit like two seventy in the big leagues to be an above average regular. If he does that, he's going to be close to three fifty. He's going to be getting those opportunities to steal bases and score a lot of runs. Now. His ceiling, his you know best possible outcome is a 300 hitter in the big leagues. And if he can do that and keep his walk right where it is, all of a sudden you're talking about a 370, 380 on base percentage guy who can steal even more bases, score more runs, and that's an all-star. So there's a lot of outcomes that can happen here. He also can be a guy that hits 240, gets on base at a 310 clip, and can steal – can still steal 30 plus backs, you know, and be a really good defensive player. So his floor is high enough with the defense and the speed. Um, but really the, the tool that's going to make or break him in his big league career, in my opinion, it, it's simply that hit tool, which is obviously there for all players in the big leagues, right? If you can't hit, you know, what kind of player are you going to be? But for him in particular, I'm not worried about if he's going to tap into his power. If he does great. I mean, if he, if he can find a way to, to turn on some more balls, get some more lift and, actually end up with 15 home runs by all means that'd be awesome but i wouldn't be too concerned about power all i care about when it came to acuna is that he's getting on base and giving himself an opportunity to use his legs to make a a big impact and we saw his brother last year hit the 40 plus home runs and steal 70 plus bases he's never going to join his brother in the 40 70 club but he could join him in the 70 club and that is saying something because a 70 stolen base threat on the New York Mets roster, that's exciting to think about. And if you're just trying to imagine a super utility player for the Mets this season, 
the more I try to wrap my head around it, the more I'm seeing the value that Acuna could provide and how he could replace or not replace, but fill the shoes a little bit of what Ronnie Mauricio was going to provide for this team, at least in, in roster function. So I want to go into that a little bit more in just a minute. First though, another word from our sponsors. If you don't want to miss out on any of the bonus coverage that we have for you at Locked On Mets, make sure you become a Locked On Mets insider through subtext. This is our texting service where you can get updates from me anytime something happens with the Mets, anytime I got an interesting stat to share, or if you just want to ask me a question at any time, you can do that through subtext. It's also where we are running our giveaways this year. So if you want to get your chance at some signed memorabilia this season and get all that extra bonus content, find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com. Slash locked on Mets. Now, we'll get to the overarching question of the show. Can Luis and Helicuna fill Ronnie Mauricio's shoes this year? Well, here's one big hiccup. He's nowhere near as advanced in his development. He hasn't even played in AAA. Mauricio was you know, more than 100 games removed from being in AAA, or not 100 games removed, but he had 100-plus games in AAA and even got some big league action. So he was more ready to step in on opening day. Here's the thing, though. If you look at the Mets roster as presently constructed, that's with the addition of Harrison Bader, who was not on the roster when Mauricio went down. And I don't know if they would have signed Bader had they had Mauricio. Assuming they would have, there would be a pretty interesting uh, battle going into spring. Because if you count out all the position players under contract, and of course, you know, the top prospects from last year that debuted, you know, your Bates, Fiantos, Mauricio, Alvarez, all that stuff. With Wendell and Bader and Tyron Taylor that were added this offseason, you'd be looking at a group of 14 position players. You need 13, likely, on your opening day roster. So it would have come down to Mark Fiantos, DJ Stewart, to some respects, Tyron Taylor, but I don't believe he has any options. Um, and then, of course, Ronnie Mauricio. Really, I think it would have ended up because of the different positions that Mauricio can play. Unless Vientos and Stewart just hit at an extremely high rate, because they can option Stewart, I imagine it would have been Stewart that went down or Vientos. Mauricio would have been right there on opening day. Now, they really don't have any position battle. I mean, this roster is pretty much status quo going into opening day, barring injury which is also why they're maybe holding off on signing a DH because they did. Well, somebody would have to go down. Now, if they got you know, one of those DHs and they had to put down J, uh, DJ Stewart, that would be <laughs> totally fine for this Mets team. But that's just looking at the opening day outlook. But the insurance that Mauricio provided in all those positions, Acuna can do that. Okay, I, I want to refer you to um, the scouting report by Kylie McDaniel of ESPN. He is the highest on Acuna in any top 100. He has him at 58. You look at the other top 100 list, Baseball America left him off entirely. MLB Prospectus had him at number 77. Uh, Pipeline had him at 66. For my company, JustBaseball.com, we had him at 71, although Arm is going to update that again before the start of the season. So not sure if he'll slide a bit or if he'll, he'll climb. I think there's a better chance that he slides than climbs. Regardless, McDaniel had him at 58. Fringe 
You know, top 50, close. So he's still really high on him. Here's his scouting report. So he says, now listen at 5'8", 181. Acuna might not immediately grab your attention if you see him walk around before the game starts, but he is electric on the field with plus speed, an above-average arm, and a quick first step that allows him to play any position. Talks about his plus bat speed, similar swing to his brother, Ronald Acuna Jr., Solid average raw power, but he, you know, not really going to tap into that in games that much or hasn't so far. He says that he's one of the most exciting hitters to watch. His swing and chase rates are a bit higher than average, but he appears to be more out of control than he actually is because of the effort he puts into a swing. Talks about how scouts um, raved about him being a plus defensive second baseman with his base running value, that he can be you know, maybe league average at the plate, but they also aren't sure how Acuna will use his tools or how big league pitching will fare in attacking him. So again, it really is what I've been talking about on the show. It's speed and defense and a question about how much he will hit. But when you look at the role he could fill, again, I refer you back to the scouting report allows him to play any position. I've been thinking about Acuna as second base center field. He's a shortstop right now, but second base is sort of the long-term home. If, Best outcome happens with all of your prospects. Acuna is probably your starting second baseman, and maybe Jet Williams and Drew Gilbert are somewhere in the outfield with Brandon Nemo long term. That, that's how I see it at this juncture. But Acuna, if the Mets had a, a horrible start to the season at third base with Brett Beatty and Joey Wendell and Mark Fiantos, and Luis and Hell Acuna sitting 320 in AAA, we watched Louis Guillaume play third base the last couple of years as a good defensive shortstop who made that move over there, even though he didn't have a ton of playing time at the position. It didn't always look perfect. He certainly looked way better at second base, which I think is the same thing with Acuna. I think he'd be elite defensively at second base. But he'd hold his own at third and probably better than Jeff McNeil would. So I believe Acuna can provide you that insurance at third base. So if that whole carousel doesn't work, Acuna could be your guy which I think opens up a lot of possibilities. Also, he can be the guy at second base, allowing Jeff McNeil to slide into the outfield. Also, he could be a guy that would play in the outfield. So he his positional flexibility and the fact that he's on the 40-man roster already, that gives you a, a pretty high chance of seeing Acuna at some point this season. I think Drew Gilbert's the better prospect. I think Drew Gilbert is the prospect, and we'll talk about him at some point who could be the above average regular this year. And I'm not entirely sure if Acuna can do that. Like I I feel better about Gilbert's bat right now than I do about Acuna's. But Acuna's on the roster. Acuna has the speed and defensive element. Not that Gilbert doesn't, but he's not going to be the same base dealer that Acuna is. And Drew Gilbert's not playing the infield. So, if you're looking for that super utility guy that fills in all those places like Mauricio could have, I think Acuna fits that role. And in some respects, when you look at the defensive side of it, I think he fills that part of the equation better because he can go out into the outfield. Mauricio, we're still not sure if he can do that. Now, offensively, Ryan Mauricio has way more games under his belt. He has more pop probably at this stage, just based on their development, a, a better field to hit and you know, a better chance of holding his own at the big league level. I don't know if Acuna can do that this year. 
But I do believe we will see Acuna this year. That, in my eyes, is going to happen. So we'll see how he um, takes advantage of that opportunity if and when it presents himself. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. I really appreciate everyone who tuned into the show today. If you're listening on the audio side of things, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 8,000 subs by opening day. So do appreciate all of you who have been hitting that subscribe. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, you can do so at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. And that you made it to the end of the show. If you're watching on YouTube, head over to Locked On Sports Today, the first ever 24-7 streaming channel covering everything in the world of sports with our local experts from each team and our league-wide experts from each league. Find Locked On Sports Today streaming 24-7 on YouTube.